Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On this episode of Behind the Headlines, you have questions. We have answers. Digging into everything that you're asking about COVID. Shannon Murphy and Justin Hicks are joining us to dive into it. So let's get after it. As I said, our guest today on Behind the Headlines, Shannon Murphy and Justin Hicks. And as always, the Vice President of Content as my co-host. Mr. John Heiner, how are you, my friend? Eric Culkin, I am doing great, thank you. And you know we've been having so much fun on recent episodes that uh, I almost forgot a pandemic was going on. <laughs> Just got caught up with my reading. It's still going on. You would also for think, sure. Yeah, you would also think by now that perhaps um, everyone uh, would know everything. Uh, there'd be nothing left to know about uh, COVID-19, uh, vaccinations, Delta variant, Mu variant, any of this stuff, but uh, there are. And we can tell too from our audience numbers on MLive that readers are still tuned in, still having an impact on people's day-to-day lives. And so today we're going to talk about a new series of stories, a feature that we started on MLive that um, is going to get to the heart of that answer people's questions and be a public service. So I want to welcome today to our chat. We have a first time behind the headlines visitor, Shannon Murphy, an editor on our statewide team. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks. I'm super excited to finally be here. <laughs> well, you, I can see how nervous you are too. It's like, it's like, don't worry, you know, this, you'll get used to it and you'll, you'll by your, you know, 10th or 12th visit, you'll be, you'll be an old pro. Just like the next guest we have, Justin Hicks, I don't think it's 10 or 12, but Justin's been with us several times. He's a public health reporter on MLive's statewide reporting team. Uh, good morning, Justin. Yeah, morning, John. Thanks for having me on here. And Justin's the, the guy who's the author. He's the guy who's tracking down answers to readers' questions. But before we get into that, Shannon, why don't you tell us uh, the genesis of this, how, how we came up with the idea to do this um, on MLive and, and how it's going so far? Sure. Well, um, what we've decided to do is we're finding that we're writing a lot of the same types of stories over and over again, um, you know, about the, the Delta variant, about vaccines, who can get them, who should get them, about booster shots, you know, anything related to COVID. Uh, we've kind of found that you, we can't have too much content. We can't have too many of, of the stories that might be very similar to us since we're in it day in and day out but people are reading all of this. So we decided to kind of take a look at what else people want to know or what they really want to know about. So we've created an email address. It's covidquestions at mlive.com where readers can submit uh, questions of things they want to know. And we launched that last week. And since then it has really kind of exploded. We're getting multiple questions a day uh, as soon as we put out our first story about that email address, we got multiple questions. Uh, this week, we ran our first in that series where we answer those questions. And since then, we've gotten at least a dozen more um, questions. And, you know, they're, they run the gamut from, you know, how long am I 
contagious for if I have COVID to, you know, if I've already had COVID, do I need to get the vaccine? And these are questions that in our minds we've answered multiple times in dozens and dozens of stories over the past year and a half, um, but people still wanna know and they have a lot of questions about them. So uh, we're looking at weekly answering those questions online and Justin will be also answering them directly to the readers that email in. Well, that's cool. So if you get concierge service from Justin, uh, we'll give you direct direct answers to your questions. It also, I guess as we do this, um, and since we're actually putting it in the form of a question and answer, uh, when people Google for answers, uh, probably a pretty good chance that our posts um, will have a long shelf life. And uh, obviously, as conditions change and circumstances change, so will the answers to some of these questions. Justin, what were your initial reactions to the, the emails you saw? Is anything that surprises you about public knowledge right now about COVID and COVID variants and the boosters? I don't think anything surprises me this long into this endeavor. Um, but you know, there there are just there were different levels of questions from as simple as, you know, I've been in quarantine or in isolation for 10 days. I still have some symptoms. Am I contagious? Um, where I know an answer to that right off the bat. I don't need to go reach out to doctors because I've spoken with them in the past about it, to questions that you know I, I maybe hadn't thought of or um, I needed to follow up myself with one of my health sources to say, hey, you know, I've got a question that I don't really know the answer to. Uh, can you help me out here? And then I can respond back that way. Um, I, I think a lot of the questions stem around individual experiences. I think if you kind of haven't had COVID, haven't had someone in your household with COVID, and then, or it's been a year since, and you have somebody test positive, you maybe have heard things, but you maybe kind of push them to the background or you had forgotten something and then it's like oh crap like I've got COVID now what do, what do I do how long do I have to be isolated and so some of the questions are kind of refreshers I think people need but then some of them are 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 new questions and I've, I found a couple patterns in questions where it's like maybe that should be a headline for another story. Hey, Shannon you've been leading COVID coverage well since started um, one of the things that I noticed from the emails I get from readers is disputing information. I mean, there's always answers, but disputing the answers. And I think in the first Q and A that you did, someone quoted a, you know, U S Senator who, you know, Hey, he said this, how come you're not reporting that? So in, just in a big sense, Shannon, um, how do we combat that? How do we become authoritative on when people dispute the very origin of information? I think um, a lot of it is that we continue to tell people the facts. You know, we rely on experts who know this stuff more than we ever could, right? Epidemiologists, infectious disease doctors, uh, health officials throughout the state and country. I think uh, part of what we need to do is to continue to combat that is to continue to tell the science and the facts behind that information. So when Justin was answering that question it, about why we haven't reported, um, and I can't remember now exactly what the misinformation was, but that's what it was. It was someone who was using part of facts and then uh, expanding on it with their own opinion. And so, you know, we try as, as a news organization not to um, repeat misinformation, 
But when there's so much out there, I think it's on us to combat it by dispelling it, by using facts, science, and experts to tell what is actually happening and what the truth is. But Justin, what's your, I mean, I, the thing I see in my emails is they don't actually address what I wrote about or the sources I use. They come back with, but you're not reporting this sort of thing. Um, how do you develop your, your source list, credible source list? And, and then how do you combat that you're not telling the whole story? Well, I mean, since last spring, I've been reaching out and talking to folks at different hospitals around the state, uh, different health departments. And as I've gone, I've continued to build my list of, of folks who I can reach back out to who are experts in, in um, infectious disease in different medical um, uh, aspects. Um, some of the folks who are handling the vaccinations themselves, some are handling the trials for the vaccines. Um, and so I've just kind of built this long list. And when we have a, a story or when I get a question, I don't really know. I can turn to that list of, of folks and that I've built this um, relationship with and reach out to them. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in anything medical. I didn't go to school in the medical field, but I feel like it's my job to answer the questions by reaching out to the experts who do have those answers. Um, and in terms of the actual you know, messages, yes, sometimes I'll have a back and forth with somebody who will send me a question uh, or they heard something that isn't true. Um, I provide them with an answer, uh, what the experts are saying, what the CDC says about that. Um, and yes, sometimes they come back with, they don't believe me or my, my sources are wrong. And I, I, one thing I really like about this, this um, project we're doing with the COVID questions is that person may have in their mind what they believe to be true and they may not take that answer but there will be other people who have that question um, who will turn and, and, and see, oh, the infectious disease specialist over at Spectrum says this, I'm gonna take that over, you know, somebody I know from high school who's posting on Facebook saying otherwise. One thing that I've found throughout this whole crisis is I wish it was as easy as black and white, right? But take for instance, hydroxychloroquine, when that, you know, President Trump said it was at least suggesting that people could take that um, to avoid COVID-19 and so forth. You, you'd like to say it's absolute garbage. It's, it, you know, this stuff is harmful. It, it, it doesn't have any um, relation to any positive constructive discussions of COVID treatment. But then you, you know, someone drags out a study or they find something and say that was reported in another media source, you know, so you know, how much obligation, Shannon, do we have to be like exhaustive about, you know, reporting every single facet of, you know, or do we just try to go in broad strokes? Like in most cases, X or the CDC, which is the leading uh, federal agency that is issuing guidelines says X, you know, how do you handle that? Yeah, uh, that's a good question because it's tough because guidelines have changed multiple times for many things throughout this pandemic. I mean, we all remember when at the very beginning we were told don't wear masks, save those for the professionals that need them. And then, you know, three months later or whatever it was, you know, wear masks, everyone wear masks. And so people still bring that up. Well, the masks were useless. They said it at the beginning. Um, and so there's multiple things throughout this pandemic that changes. So for us, 
it's really trying to keep up with that information. Um, you know, I know Justin is, is always looking into, you know, these studies that people mention or even new studies that come out throughout, you know, the world, frankly. I mean, we, I know we've referenced an Israeli study on vaccine immunity several times. So it's really just kind of watching the stuff, but it's also, you know, on us and I would even say the readers, there's a lot of studies out there that are not peer reviewed that, um, you know, it's, it's someone's, not necessarily someone's opinion, but there is not a lot of other science to back it up. And so people will reference those a lot. And I think we have to be really careful as we're looking at those, where is this study published, who published it, who's peer reviewed it. And so we have to really look into that and determine what is most useful for our readers and what is actually helpful and what is fact-based to really put out there. So we don't necessarily do everything in broad strokes. There's a lot that we do, um, but we try to get a little more into things, particularly if it's an issue someone is really, people, readers are really passionate about or really believe, um, you know, the latest one was, um, I'm gonna mispronounce it. So Justin, you might wanna help me out here, but uh, Ivermectin. The, I think you nailed it. I guess. <laughs> uh, the horse dewormer, uh, you know, there is, actual uses for that medicine for people. It's not COVID and there isn't any uh, concrete factual studies yet. They're studying it to see how it works, but it's not, it's use for COVID is not something that's been approved or really scientifically studied enough to know, but it is a medicine for people, but people were using, you know, the horse dewormer got that you could buy at a livestock store that was a lot, it's a lot different. It's a lot stronger. It's for a, a giant horse and that can be really harmful for people. So it's those types of things we really want to dive into a little bit more, talk to experts, read about it and study it more. You know, I, think, I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Jeff. I think, I think just to add to that a little bit, we just throughout this whole pandemic, especially with coronavirus, uh, coronavirus being something that was relatively new to us, uh, at least in, in this specific coronavirus, um, is that we were, we're kind of seeing the scientific process play out firsthand or right in front of us. And that's not, like you said before, that's not always a black and white thing. Like the, science is ongoing and you learn more and, and those who are researching and those who have, are writing these long journal entries that are being reviewed by other peers, you, you put out what you, what you find, what you believe to be true, and then your peers review it. And it, it's kind of a, well, what does the majority think? And we have, can we get more data to find out if that's true or not true? And I, I think seeing it play out like this firsthand, a lot of people have seen a change in stance as they were wrong or they don't know what they're talking about when really part of the scientific process is going to be you shift your stance with what the data says and what the majority says, and you will have minority opinions show up and that's, that's okay. You should challenge things in, in the scientific process, but by, at the end of the day, you're going to have a majority or you're going to have, you know, the, the top people like the CDC in this case um, that, that have more expertise and can, can have give a majority opinion versus just, I saw one doctor said this. So even if 99 say that's wrong, I'm going to take that opinion. Well, you just described America in a nutshell. <laughs> You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an M Live podcast. I'm John Heiner, co-host with Eric Hulkren. 
And today we're talking about a new feature on MLive. It's COVID Q&A and uh, a year and a half into COVID, uh, there are still new questions. And uh, with us today, Shannon Murphy and Justin Hicks from our statewide team who are behind this new feature. Uh, appreciate you both being here. Um, Shannon, just because I, I want readers or listeners to understand that um, we're experts at journalism. And uh, Justin had said earlier, we're not, you know, we're not experts at it is necessarily, uh, you know, communicable diseases and things of that nature. But just a, an example, can you explain, remember our internal discussion among editors and all the top editors about statistics of hospital rates of breakthrough cases in ICUs or so? Just explain how some of this inside the kitchen, how we make some of this sausage. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the the thing with statistics, and I I said this to another editor a couple of weeks ago, is they can they can be used in so many ways. They can be used to prove or disprove the same fact. It's it's you know it's interesting how they can be used. And um, I'm gonna try and remember the exact specifics about this, but it was. Um, the number of breakthrough cases. It was about vaccinated people who've gotten, um, who've gotten a breakthrough case of COVID. And there what are, percentage of emergency room admissions or ICU admissions were now breakthrough cases? Right. But it, it, it's not as simple as accounting exercise. It's not simple. And there's there's several different ways to look at those numbers, and everyone looks at them differently, which which can make our reporting difficult, it can make, you know, getting the information out difficult. And it's really on us. And Justin does a really good job of trying to explain how this works. But there was, you know, I remember we had this whole conversation about it, because there was a statistics where it compared vaccinated people uh, against vaccinated people who'd gotten COVID. And that was one number. And then a different number was vaccinated people who'd gotten COVID compared to the full population of, of people have gotten COVID. And they're two different numbers, they're two different rates, but you can look at them and say, you know, if you're looking at vaccinated people against, who've gotten COVID against everyone, it's a very, very small number. If you're looking at vaccinated people who've gotten COVID against just other vaccinated people, it's a much larger number. And, you know, some, some professionals were using that number. So it looked like the breakthrough cases were extremely high. And that's what some, people were using to say vaccinations don't work. Look how many people have gotten vaccinated. And then there's a completely different statistic. Uh, so we talk about this all the time. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm constantly having conversations of what does this number mean? We need to explain this better. Uh, you know, what does this show the people? And is this the, is this the best statistic to really show what's happening right now? And there's, and it changes, it changes so quickly that it's, you know, we've, we have conversations all the time about let's be consistent. You know, we don't want to throw a different statistic at people uh, that we don't explain when we're, we've been using, you know, Same. one along the. Yeah, we've been using that context over and over again, but then conditions change. Like it, it changed from early in the pandemic to um, transmission rates were the thing and we were showing it spread across Michigan, but then it became hospitalizations and then it became, you know, the ICUs and ventilators and then. It does, it does evolve. And what I find is from the readers who write uh, and, and go, aha, like they got you, the, the, the hole in the dam is, is always a stat. 
it's always a stat that they found another stat or took issue with how the statistics are presented. It's been a real thorny thing. Well, I've, with the, with the uh, breakthrough numbers, I mean, if, if you're looking at out of all the millions of people have gotten vaccinated, a couple thousand have had breakthrough cases, you have less than 1%. And so the folks who are saying this vaccine is effective, they're saying, look, you know, out of the 5 million plus people who have gotten vaccinated here, less than 1% have gotten COVID. But then you have folks who are trying to poke holes in the idea of the vaccine being effective, and they'll look at and say, okay, out of everybody in the hospital right now, 18%, 20% were vaccinated. So the breakthrough rate in their mind is that 20% number, when realistically, the more people in the population that are vaccinated, of course, the more people who are in the hospital would have gotten a vaccine because that denominator is just getting higher. Right. And so they're, they're definitely, if, if, you're, if you're calling a number something, but you're not providing the full context for it, then you're not really going to get to the bottom of what you're, you're, you're trying to there. And even when you mentioned hospitalizations, you know, that became something that was a really big focus for us. Well, then we learned over time, I might go in for a, a procedure to get my tonsils out or whatever the case may be. And before they bring me into surgery, they're going to give me a COVID test. If I test positive, I'll be a hospitalization. And so realistically, whether I'm asymptomatic or not, that's another statistic there. So therefore the hospitalizations went from being very important to, it's still important. And you know, our hospitals are still really busy right now and short staffed. But that number does kind of take on a different meaning as, as we go farther and learn more about this. Yeah, and every time there's a story, an anecdotal story, it just, it, everything inflames again. A woman in Oregon died from a vaccine reaction, a young woman, I she was like 38 or something. And you could just see the upwelling of C, um, you know, and that's the one out of a million. And they, and they said going into it, one out of a million or six out of a million or whatever are going to have severe reactions and, and that sort of thing happens. So I want to note this morning, I was reading uh, the New York Times morning newsletter and they had a piece, I don't know if you saw it, but it was, it was kind of a long piece about discussing uh, what we know and will never know about COVID. And they, the writer kind of threw their hands up and said, you know, we're never going to really know um, hard answers to these things. And that may or may not be true. We'll never know everything. But I want to give you both credit for um, endeavoring to find out what, what the best knowledge we have at the time, you know, in this ever evolving story. Um, I threw my hands up a long time ago <laughs> because it doesn't seem like it's going to end. But, um, you know, it's our job. It's our job to explain and, and to report. So, you know, you know, going forward, how, how long do you, you know, intend to stay with this, Shannon and Justin? You know, I, <laughs> I wish I could give you a solid answer there. You know, last, last spring when it started, I thought it would be three, four months that we'd be doing this. And, you know, we pulled a lot of people onto our statewide team to help with coverage. And it was, oh, it's just temporary. It's just a, a few, a few months and then we'll be back to normal. And now that we're, you know, a year and a half in, um, you know, I think this will be something we're reporting on for, for a very long time. It will change um, on, you know, how we're reporting it and what is happening and throughout the time. But I, you know, now that I think now that especially that coronaviruses in general are more um, well known uh, among the population. I mean, there's so many of them, right? This is just one coronavirus 
Um, I think we'll see more, we'll see different types and people will still be interested now a little bit more in infectious diseases and how they impact the population. And I think for the question and answer segments, I think we'll just, we'll do them as long as it seems to be beneficial. Um, I've, I've found that in responding to the individuals who have sent questions, in addition to posting them, you know, we've had more people see the answers uh, on our posts, obviously, but I've gotten some good feedback from the folks who have gotten a response um, that, you know, they do appreciate it. And there's a lot of information out there. So if you can kind of send specifically what they're looking for, um, it, it kind of helps that they're not as overwhelmed with there's so much information out there, where do I start? Um, and so I think as long as there are questions that seem to be um, common and popping up, it's useful to do these Q&A posts. And, you know, occasionally we'll have stories where, you know, just, just one of the questions or the fact that we had four questions on the same topic might lead us to do a story on that and say, okay, clearly this is a common thing. Let's get some experts to weigh in on it. And let's, you know, let, let's try to answer this question for those who haven't sent emails in. So I think it'll be useful for a while. And then, you know, if the questions die down or if, you know, we kind of COVID dies down, maybe we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, I look forward to when we have to do Q&As on local uh, downtown development authority taxing districts. Um, that, <laughs> I'll welcome those days back again. Justin, Shannon, thanks so much for joining today. And thanks for your great work on uh, COVID Q&A and, and the larger COVID story um, that you've been on for years. So thank you very much. Thanks, John. And there they go. Big thanks to Shannon and Justin for answering all of our COVID questions. And if you have more, just head to MLive.com. And if you like what John and I are doing, like, subscribe, and share wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkerin. And this is Behind the Headlines. <laughs>